0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First Podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home here he is first. We're a Bible-believing church. We believe that Jesus is alive and well and that he speaks to us through the Bible, among other ways, and, and uh, that the Holy Spirit is alive in our hearts and lives. And when we do that, we read the Bible that God speaks to us and gives us direction for our lives. He gives us, he gives us clarity. He, he gives us purpose. And so when we read the Bible, um, we expect God to interact with us in a way that can't be done through Self-help or you know uh, educational books, so even though all those things are, are, are sometimes good things, but the Bible is, is distinct. And so we read the Bible and we preach out of books of the Bible, and right now we're in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a letter. Um, in, the, in the olden days they called it an epistle, uh, which was a letter to a church in Rome. And Rome was a pretty crazy place. Uh, we've all heard about Rome and Julius Caesar this is after Julius Caesar and, and all of that. Rome has, has been established throughout the Mediterranean. And uh, actually, in the next 10 years, uh, Nero's going to come out and start killing Christians. And um, they're already facing some persecution, the Christians there, from both the Jewish people and the Roman people. And they're their own kind of religious thing. And, and they're being killed. Uh, they're being thrown in prison, all of that kind of stuff. And they're right there in Rome, the heat of all of it. And... Uh, and, and And Paul is writing to them the church in rome and and, and arguably they 're probably the most faithful church because amongst all this persecution, they're thriving, they're growing, great things are happening, miracles, signs, wonders, all that stuff. And Paul writes to them and says, I want to write to you and, and encourage you. I really want to come see you, but I'm going to write to you about salvation, what it takes and what it means to be a part of God's family, what it, ta- what it means to be uh, made from old to new. And I really want to drive that home in your life. And it would seem like the Romans." Uh, the, the people of the church in Rome, were, were very strong. They, they would have salvation figured out because it's like step one, right? It's like you pray a prayer or you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and then your life starts to reflect uh, this change, But uh, Paul is writing to them to make very clear about this idea of salvation. In in modern terms, we call it soteriology, the the study of being saved and what it means. And oftentimes we get religion tied up into our relationship and we start thinking about all the things that we should do and all the things that we shouldn't do. And we, we start acting like Christians when in fact we haven't become new on the inside. And so what he is driving home very, very hard in the first 11 chapters of this book is that you need to become new. And he's trying to explain that to them in greater measure. And we get to be the beneficiaries of it because here we are 2,000 years later reading about it and it's still true for us because how often we get wrapped up and do this, don't do that, can't you read the signs? And, uh, and I'm just full of musical references today. You know, young kids are like, what? Um, okay. So um, do this, don't do that, and, and we, get, we get wrapped up like, well, that person doesn't act like a Christian, that isn't very Christ-like, or, or we, we, get, we get busy picking on each other about who is and who isn't, when really it goes from old to new, and it's about us living that out every single day. So that's what Romans is trying to convey to us. So we're going to read today in Romans chapter 5, pastor preached my favorite passage in probably all of the Bible last week, and so I'm going to start directly after that. Boohoo, um, and try to clean up all, everything that he didn't uh, preach correctly. So, are you ready? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, and verse, we'll start with verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly is a, is a pretty good term, because uh, most of us in our life would go, I'm ungodly. All right? Uh, The people you talk with at work, the people in your family, they are aware that they are ungodly. And you can point back to a time when you were not very godly. And it's encouraging to read this when it says that at just the right time, not a second too late, not a second too soon, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly and all the cell phones that are not on silent. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only... Is this so? But we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. It's powerful and it's effective. We know that it is potent to do what you want it to do in our lives. We pray today, God, as we come into this place, you would, you would help us to become soft and, and to open our hearts and our lives in a way that allows you to move in us, to do great things. We know that you have a plan for us, that you desire great things for us. And Lord, let us never stand in the way of that by our hard-heartedness, by our mental aspect or just anything that we wanna put up between you and us. Have your way today in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I I like to travel. Um, Some of you guys know that. But I like to travel and I like to take short trips. Now, sometimes I take long trips. Somebody said, are you gonna go to Africa again? It's like, I don't know, it's just like, Two solid weeks, you know, (laughs) like it's a long time, but I like to I like to get away for a day or two and and, and just experience life. And and uh, there's there's something about travel uh, that is interesting that a lot of people are not willing to travel because they can't do with the insecurity. It's like you go to a new place and you got to stay in somebody else's bed and who was in this bed last night and uh, who might come through the door at any given time. Like all this anxiety that comes up and then you you land in an airport where you've never been before and you're like, I don't know what's going on. like, where where do I get my bags? Are my bag's lost. Anybody ever lost a bag? Right? You lost the bag, you feel like your whole entire life has ended, like somebody just repossessed your house, but they didn't. They just took your suitcase that has maybe $100 worth of stuff in it. You're like, I don't know where my stuff is. It's the insecurity. You get there like you're trying to ask somebody, where do I go to find my bag? I mean, where do I get to my next flight? and you missed a flight because you didn't know where to go and you got to the wrong, uh, the wrong terminal and you get to the next one and, and you get there and your plane's already gone. Like, what do I do now? And then you got to stay overnight in the airport and you feel like you're Tom Hanks. You're shaving in the, in the bathroom and you're sleeping out of the way. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's the insecurity, right? I, uh, my, my very dear friend here, uh, Kevin Lee is here. He's in the back. Wave everybody stand up and give him a big uh, holler. Woo! Uh, let me just say this. Kevin Lee is one of my very best friends. He's one of the most consistent and faithful friends you'll ever have. And everybody needs a Kevin Lee in their life, but that's my buddy. Um, so we went to Italy last year, and, and, and we went there. And it's like traveling is one thing, and then you get to a whole other place where, Everything is different, you know. Like, it's one thing to travel to a different state, different town. You travel there, and nobody understands what you're saying. You know, you're like, hey, could, "Where's the car rental place?" And they're like, "I don't know what you're saying." And they don't, they don't say that, but they have a different language and language barrier. Now, my buddy Kevin Lee, he speaks like three different languages. Okay, he speaks speaks English and Creole, he's Haitian, and, and he speaks Spanish, and, and so I'm like, what, what are we going to do when we get to Italy? Like, you translate, you learn some phrases? He's like, no, nah, I got I cover it covered. I can speak three different languages. Italian can't be that hard. We got there, and I don't know if people just, like, just hated us because we were Americans or what, which is a very good chance, and if you look at me and Kevin Lee, we're two big guys walking around. You're either very, very scared of us, or we look like suckers, you know, like it was one of the two, and, uh, we're walking around we're trying to find the car rental place, and where do you go? We're in, in the airport in Rome, and everything's written in a different language, and, and you, you don't know where to go, and, and people are walking on the opposite side of the of the hallway because everything's backwards. <laughs> and uh, we get there, and we, we finally get to the car rental place. And, and you're not really sure you're going to make it there, and then and you're trying to figure out what kind of car. And they're like, we only have one kind of car, and it's small. And so me and Kevin Lee go out, and we see all these sports cars. They're, like, really small. Like, that's really cool. But we didn't, we didn't get that car. We got the little Fiat. The little Fiat is like a, they say, he said, I upgraded to the five-door. It didn't matter if it had three doors or five doors. It was still small. And we get in this small little car, and we're, like, leaned up against each other. We couldn't even get our luggage in with us in the car. We had to lay down seats and and and, sm- and smash stuff in. And 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 then we get out. And he's like he's like bro. He's like you're gonna have to drive because it's a stick. And I'm not sure how to drive in you know in Rome and and, and whatever. And then so we, we get out there and we're trying. We're roundabouts for like eight hours. Like I can't get left. I can't get left. You know, it's all of this insecurity. And so we're we're driving and he, like. When you're a safe driver, you kind of wait for everybody else. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just like, if I just wait for everybody, eventually I'll be able to go where I want to go. Well, in Rome, there is no waiting. You just have to go. And uh, so we're going. And, and we, we go out, and we, we get some gas, and we get some espresso. Every gas station has an espresso machine, a real espresso machine, not like pumped, you know, with powder espresso machine we're talking about real espresso and uh so we're just drinking straight you know shots of espresso getting gas and we're gonna drive to the south of the Amalfi Amalfi coast and so I'm like okay Kevin I'm a little tired why don't you drive and we get in the car and uh I've driven like for a solid hour and a half and and we're on the way and we're on the highway and it's turnpike kind of thing and uh, we get in there I fall asleep two and a half hours later I wake up and I'm like hey where are we He's like, I don't know, man. I'm driving two and a half hours. Should be almost there. I was like, no, two and a half hours. You should be there. He's like, I don't know. So we get the GPS out. He took, like, the opposite way. And we drove somewhere else. And uh, that was the last time Kevin Lee drove for the trip. <laughs> Actually, he just he said this. He says, I just undid everything you just did in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you did. And we were, we were, uh, we we're, we're, like, I'm an Apple guy, so I'm using I'm using Apple Maps, and he's he's a Google guy, even though he has an iPhone, I think, but he uses Google Maps. I don't know why people you know want to impose Google on Apple like that, but they do. So we're always fighting back and forth about whose map is better, and so finally uh, we're going down to this. We're going down to this, this city called Positano, which is a famous town. It's on the it's on the Mediterranean. It's a very cool town. And so we're going. We have to drive down the coast, and uh, we want to take the scenic route. Uh, so we're we're driving on the on the coast with all the stop signs and stuff, and we 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 drive up into the mountains at one point. I don't know if it's a detour or what. But the phone takes us up there. And all of a sudden, all of the roads go from like double paved to like dirt and single. And they're up through the hills and you're like looking over the edge. Like there's not really a railing or anything. It's just your car in the edge. And you're like, I don't know, it's a small car. But I feel like we're going to fall off. And we're pretty big guys, so we're like, don't lean too far to that side. Like, just barefoot. So, finally, we drive up and around and we go through, and, and, and then we get to our, our road that's supposed to take us back down, and there is a uh, a barricade across the road. Okay. And it's one lane road, and there's a barricade, and we've already started to go down. We're like, what do we do? Kevin says, like, I, I don't know what to do. It's like, it's like well, we're just going to back up. So, we backed all the way up this one lane road, right? And we go past this guy who's sitting there. He's a, a cyclist, and he's sitting there having a a drink while he's he's resting. And like, which way do we go? He's like, you can't go that way. You've got to go this way. And this road is not like cobblestone. It's not like brick or anything else. It's just like farm road up and around. And we go through and and we find this place. And and me and Kevin are pretty much like, you know, we can make it happen kind of people. And we go up there and there's like this alleyway. But it's like a sidewalk size. I wish I had the picture. He has the picture. He took a picture of it. They like, I don't know how we're going to get down that road, but it's like the only way down, right? And like a car cannot even fit there. And uh, we're sitting there. We sat there for like 10 minutes, just looking at the opening, waiting for God to maybe just part the Red Sea. I don't know what. We're just sitting there. And, uh, and then this guy behind us pulls into his house back behind us. Like, I don't know, maybe we should figure out what that guy's doing. And all of a sudden we're, we're going to go talk to this guy, but a car comes up that road and we're like, no way. I cannot believe this car is coming up this road. And it was a very small car, like our car. It comes up, and uh, and, and the guy comes up. We rolled down our window, and we realize that he's not from Italy. He's, he's from America. And uh, he rolls down his window. It's like, uh, he's like, do not go down that road. <laughs> he's like, white knuckled. I mean, flat down. his wife is yelling at him. I told you, da, da, you know. And uh, we're like, ah, I don't know what. to do. <laughs> And we're like, I don't know, man. And Kevin Lee looks at me and goes, I only got the basic insurance on this car. Do not drive that road. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so we're like, well, I was like, I don't know where else to go. I was like, that guy made it. Maybe we can give. He was giving us a little bit of security that it it could be done. And uh, we're like, we can drive this. He's like, I don't know, man. I don't don't feel comfortable. I was like, I don't feel comfortable either, but we're going to stay here the rest of our lives if we don't drive down. And pretty soon, the, the guy that just drove in is coming out. And so Kevin Lee goes over there and talks to him in, in some kind of Creole Spanish. I don't know what he does. But he, he figured out what this guy who speaks Italian said. And he says, I don't even go down that road. I was like, well, if the Italians don't go down it, we're not going down So we, you know, Austin powered back and forth uh, and got the car turned around and went all the way back. And we figured out a way down. We get down to the bottom of the hill and Kevin goes, I have to get out of the car and just like, you know, just chill. And I was like, that's fine. So we go in and we get like three espressos because that's the way you chill. And, uh, and we just relaxed for like two hours at a gas station doing absolutely nothing, trying to recover because it felt good to have some security again. That's the way it works. Like traveling is interesting because it always brings out the insecurity of unfamiliarity. You know what I mean? And so what... Uh, coming after that, I, I, I go to California a lot, uh, Los Angeles. And so my sister decides she wants to jump in on my trip, um, which is fine. My sister's always jumped in on my trip, you know, for all of her life. Uh, so I was like, yeah, you can go, and, and we go, and I, I book, book a, a rental car, and I've been with Kevin Lee, so things can't go much worse than what we did in Italy. I mean, it's like we made it through, we're alive. We saw some great stuff. There was wildfires in the hills. I mean, everything happened in Italy. It was crazy. So I traveled with Allie. is is piece of cake. Now, she's kind of a bougie traveler, you know what I mean? Like, I can go and get a car for like $15 and, uh, and drive it around and eat tacos out of a truck, and it's, it's a good vacation for me. And... Uh, Allie goes, she likes to have everything planned out, know where we're going to stay, all that stuff. So I book the car, and we get on the plane, and, and she's trusting me, and she's a travel agent. She's trusting me to be her travel agent. And so I book a car, and, and we get off the plane, and we ride the shuttle, and we go to the car rental place. And uh, we get there. We walk in, and Allie's like, okay, I got this. I'll, I'll handle this. So she walks in, and she's like, she gives the reservation number and all that stuff. And, or she gives them our name, and they're like, we don't have your name. And she's like, what? And she's like, Brandon, did you book the car? I'm like, yeah, I booked the car. Like, she's like, he booked the car. And they're like, no, you didn't book the car. And so I out, it's like, so what's your reservation number? So I, I flip through all my emails and I'm like, okay, I got it right here. Here it is. And I give it to her. It's like, here you go. And he looks at it. He says, this isn't us. I'm like, what do you mean this isn't us? It's the same place. It's no, this is a different location. This is the airport rental. This happens to be the Hertz rented car in the Hilton Hotel. I'm like, well, where's the Hilton Hotel? We have to pay to get, grab a taxi. What's, what's going to go on? It's like, so now all of this, all of a sudden, this $15 car rental is turning into like a $60 car rental a day. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's it's, it's starting to sweat a little bit. And now he's like, look, we need a complimentary ride over to the hotel, right? Because she knows how to travel. And so they give us a ride over there, and we walk into the Hilton Hotel. They drop us off. We walk in. And uh, everybody there is very fancy because it's the Hilton Hotel at LAX location. And it looks very, very nice, and everybody's dressed up in their very best. And we walk up to the counter, and they have a, a Hertz counter right there at the hotel. And me and Allie are like, you know... We really, booed. we're not staying here, <laughs> you know. You're not charging us for this. We're gonna hang out here a minute, and uh, so we walk up and and we're like, hey, we got a car, and like, yeah, we got you taken care of. Like, I see you have here like a fifteen dollars rental for a Nissan Altima, is that right? Like, he's like, yeah. What are you guys doing in, in Los Angeles? Like, oh, we're gonna hang out in Malibu and and drive the coast and we're hang out. It happens to be his birthday, and this guy's just like fixated on my sister, you know, which happens all the time. Uh, you know, he's like, hey, yeah, what's up? What can I do for you? You know, I was like, that's my reservation. I'm in in charge here. <laughs> he says, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, happy birthday, you know, back to Allie, and he's, he's, he's talking to Allie, and he's like, hey, I see you got a, you know, $15 car, and said, he's like, how would you feel about driving a Mercedes-Benz convertible C300 up and down Malibu, sweet thing, and he may, he may not have said that, but it felt like that where I was standing. She's like, yeah, it sounds good, and, uh, so we go down to the basement, and we get this convertible Mercedes, and we, we go out. And now, keep in mind, it's spring in Los Angeles. It's not like Florida, you know, 100 degrees in swamp heat. It's like cool ocean breeze. It happens to be about 45 degrees in sprinkling. And so we go out. We get in the car. It's like, man, this is a crazy car. This is nuts. And so what do we do? We drop the top and drive around in the rain, 45 degrees. <laughs> but it was a good vacation. So we started off, we were trying to go to one place and, and there's, there's something empty inside of you that it's, it's uncertainty. It's like, do I have a car? Do I not have a car? Where are we going to go? He's like, but there's assurance in this one little number. It usually has a hashtag and like some letters and, and numbers, but it is your your confirmation of the thing that actually belongs to you. See, I already paid, I already paid for the confirmation. So like when we go to Italy, it's like, it doesn't matter like where we drive to, whatever. When we go back, we got a hotel, we got, we got this car, even though it's a Fiat, we could drive it into the ocean. You know, we have enough insurance to cover that. But we have this confirmation, this assurance that comes from a place that's not us. So all the insecurity is lessened, even though you're in a new place, a new time, a new situation. You have a confirmation of assurance. And what God is trying to tell us in Romans is that this salvation concept, it's actually assurance. It's not like here, here's how you're supposed to act. Good luck to you. I hope you make it all the way. I hope you can make it in a new land with new language. I mean, hey, come to church and felt like that. It's like, I don't know, like the pastor just got up there and he's like, thus and thou and thee and I and forever thou wilt beest. And I was like, I don't know if this is how to get to heaven. I'm not going. He was like, you need to do this, you need to do that. And if you've ever done all of these things, I'm sorry, uh, but you're going to have to get right or get left. Holiness or hell, all of those things that that, kind of come out of our, our mouths. And we're like, you know, if that's what it takes, I don't qualify. It's like this insecurity of being in this new place and not having the assurance that comes from a place other than you. It's like, see, if we we're in Italy, like in a new land, I, I, I couldn't figure out how to pay for everything and have enough money to, to back it up. C a C300 convertible Mercedes that we're driving around. And, and the guy, before he gives it to Allison, he's like, he's like, just so you know, this is an expensive car to fix. It's like, you may have insurance, but can you back it up? Can you back it up if something were to happen? Allison's like, totally. And it's like, I don't know, I, I can't back it up, Allie. That's you and Ryan, okay? I mean, I'm multiplying some seeds, but I don't know if I'm multiplying that much. It comes from a place other than you. We're looking for security, working for insurance. And so what he says is, he says, look, he's like, now you need to know this. At just the right time, Christ died for us when you were ungodly. In other words, you didn't have the assurance, you didn't have the security. So Jesus died for you. and the Bible says that he shed his blood. In other words, that he paid the price. It's like there has to be a cost, and he was one to give his very own life for it. It's not about necessarily the blood, as is it much, it is the sacrifice that Jesus gave in blood. It is so secure that you or I can, he, he tries to address that. He's like, you know what, it's, you're ungodly. Like, you, you, you don't have a righteousness, you can't keep all the rules, you can't do everything perfectly, so let me do it for you. And the Bible says that he brings to us reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is an is interesting word, but it actually means that everything is justified and perfectly right. It's brought into oneness that is re- connected. Reconciliation. It means this. It means that once you had a relationship and then it was broken and then you needed reconciling. If you never had a relationship to begin with, you wouldn't need reconciling. You would need introduction. Hey, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. And see what happens is a lot of people leave this out. But if we go clear back to the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was out form of void and Darkness hovered over the face of the deep. This is the place where it all began. Most people begin with Adam and Eve. They're like, oh, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. They sinned and it was broken and now everybody is evil. And so we look at you, you're evil, you're evil, you're evil, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. But if we go clear back to the beginning, we find that God had an intention with humanity. That he wanted to be connected and the Bible confirms it again and again and again. He says, look. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had called you out to be a prophet to the nations. He's like, I, ha- I know everything about you. My thoughts about you are very great. I have so many thoughts, you can't even count them. I've stitched you together. Every part of you, I am intricately involved in. Even the breath you breathe is because of me. Your cells develop And regenerate because of me. The world spins perfectly. And harmony. And we have solar systems. And we have all of these things working with seasons and, and time. Because of God working in us. Because he is intimately involved with humanity. But in that, his great love for us has given the opportunity for us to say yes or no to him. And Adam and Eve chose no in a moment and cursed humanity for all all ages. And so when God says, I'm going to send my son, it's not because he's like, you know, they're worthless, and so they need somebody to pay for them, just send Jesus. No, it's actually redemption. See, he's got a down payment in you that identifies you as his. Even when you're broken and far away, you're still his. And he sent Jesus so he could reconcile, reconnect, because there was already something in you. It's why you're never fulfilled when you're living the life outside of God. It's like when you go out on a bender and you're just drinking all week and like, you know what, I'm just going to live my life. And all of a sudden you wake up one day, you're like, this is not doing it. It's like when you, when you climb the corporate ladder and you get all the money you need and you realize that, that all, with all the money and, and, and trips to Malibu and a C300 and all that stuff, you're like, you know, this is great, but this doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. It's not enough. Like you want the fairytale wedding and the perfect marriage and, and the right relationship and you get all that and you wake up one day and you roll over and the person is old and losing their hair. Got Dunlap's disease. And you're like, you know, I thought this is what I wanted, but it's just not fulfilling. Because nothing in this earth can satisfy what God created you for. And so he wants to reconcile you to himself. And so he sends Jesus for the reconciliation. And the Bible says that he delivers you, he reconciles you, he's saving you, he's recreating you. Not just so that you can be a good person. Not just so you can do the right things. But you can actually become perfectly new. So you live in this world, and every choice that you make is actually based off insecurity. There's very few few choices that you you don't make off insecurity. You recognize there's a hole, there's a deficit in yourself, and you're like, well, if I do this, it'll make me happy. If I do this, it will make me full. It'll take away this insecurity, this kind of wavering feeling of life. If I can just get one thing to feel perfect, if I have enough money in the bank, if I have the right car, but you know, like, once you buy that car, it is deteriorating, right? Now I got to, like, clean it, right? You get the big house. Like, I, I, got a, I got a big house. I got six bedrooms. I got kids running all over it. It's like, it only takes about a couple seconds for me to, like, have the house clean and then not clean. You know what I mean? It's like, what's going on? Like, y'all were not home from school, and now you're home from school, and freaking Tasmanian devil came through my whole entire house, <laughs> Right? You know what? Let's just, let's, just, let's just get a studio apartment. They're all, all five of us, studio apartment, let's just go do that. Shrink this space down, I can keep that clean. We realize that the things in our life don't really fulfill. There's no peace, there's no rest. And the funny thing is, when, when God created Adam and Eve, he created perfect serenity for them. They actually had work, they had jobs, he gave them jobs to do. He gave them purpose. They, they were to tend the garden. And in that, they found perfect rest. And they could rest and they could be with God. And it was fulfilling in a way that nothing else could fulfill. Outside of that, man was restless with no peace. And that's the way you feel on a continual basis. All right. And then it's supposed to be that when we're reconciled to God, our life is filled with peace. Our life is filled with security. It is filled with a sense of Of belief that God is in us, through us, working for our good. Because that's what God intended for us. And then he calls us to do things beyond ourselves. He calls us to greater things. He calls us to things like, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Like, that's crazy. I, I could never do that. Why do I feel this inside of me? Because God is calling you to something that only he can supply. Just like when you were broken... He was calling to you to peace, which you could never fulfill, because only he could supply it. It's reconciliation. And that deficit draws us to God. Some of us, it takes longer to figure out that that's what we need than others. Some of us have gone a very long way before we fell off the edge of the cliff. We picked ourselves up, our splattered guts, put it all back in, and like, you know what, God, why don't you try with this thing? Because i just I'm not doing so hot. But that whole purpose is God showing us who he is and is supposed to be in our lives. It's the assurance that takes away the insecurity. Now, what happens is oftentimes we take that feeling of insecurity and we put it in our new life. Right. We become religious. We we go to church, whatever it is, and we got all these rules. They try to figure out, and someone's like, I don't like the way the pastor talks. He's saying all this stuff, and, and like, I don't know, like, I just feel like I can't do that. And it's so hard, and I don't know. People are like, you know, the, the walk with Jesus is hard every single day. You need to pick up your cross and carry it. And like, and Jesus said, take up your cross, but he had a different perspective of that. And so we walk into the Christian life in an insecure state. We're trying to go to the next church service. We're trying to listen to the right worship song. This is my jam. I got some jams. Trust me. I got plenty of jams. Get me in the, the worship zone. Like, you know, the kind that make you cry. I haven't had a good cry in a long time. I just need to, I just need to cry before the... And one friend, like, every time like, I meet him, he's like, you know, I just feel like a, I haven't been on my face before God enough. It's like, man, God's in your life every single day. You don't need a, a face moment. Even though you may have some on-your-face moments... We're just looking for the next high, the next place to get into so we feel like we are making our relationship with God sufficient. And you can't make it sufficient. He says, when you were still ungodly, I died for you. When you were a terrible person, I died for you. It's like in this world, everybody wants to die for children and die for the person who maybe, you know, it'd be great to die for them and it's so worth it. But, you know, go out and die for the homeless man on Skid Row. Most people don't. Go out and extend yourself for, the, for your enemy, the person who curses you, hurts you again and again and again. Go die for that person. The only, only way people die for those people is just so they can say, yeah, I showed you, I died for you. I won. He says people will die for good people, for good causes. They'll die for, you know, noble causes and honor. But very few people are willing to die for the worst. And that's Jesus. He's willing to die for you. Not so you can come in and be insecure, but you can come in and you can have assurance. Assurance. He says it's a reconciliation. So every day when you get up, you're not back and forth. I don't think I'm good enough for God today. I didn't, I didn't do so good yesterday. You know what? I, 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 don't, I don't think I read my Bible enough. I don't, if God was here right now, I would be ashamed of myself. Well, guess what? There's nothing you could ever do to make it right. So why don't you live in the reconciliation that God has given you? See, it's the confirmation of who you are. So when you walk in, you're insecure, and you're trying to figure out who it is, and I don't know, I don't feel so good today, and blah, blah, blah. We take the old life, and we put it in the new life, but God is saying, no, 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 this old life has to be done away with. I want to put you in perfect assurance. Assurance. When was the last time you were assured that God loved you, cared for you, and he had you under control? When was the last time you woke up with complete security that God has me? I'm in the palm of his hand, that nothing shall ever separate me from the love of God, not height, not depth, not angels, nor demons, nor any other thing shall separate you from the love of God. He says, I have given you reconciliation, and that reconciliation should be assurance enough that I am saving you. Day in, day out, I am saving you again and again and again. It is my nature. Yeah, come on, give God some. You need to be assured that God has got you. That's what he wants to do. It's his desire. It's his plan for your life. And if you're not living a reconciled life to God that is full of certainty and assurance about who God is, you are living a gamble every single day. You know, like when you go in and you drop a dollar and all of a sudden you made 25 off of, whoa, wait, oh, I could make this 25 into about five grand. Give me about an hour and a half. You go in there and all of a sudden that $25 is gone. And then you're like, oh. Well, I think I got some money in my pocket. And you're taking something out and you're putting something in and then you're going into other things. Maybe you're doing into your house payment, your car payment. Nobody? Okay. Don't, don't say amen to that. <laughs> amen. But it all, brother. <laughs> you're going all in. All in with things that are not actually full. They're not supply. They're just you gambling in and out. And sometimes you may win a little. Most of the time you lose a little. And all the losses add up. And that's not assurance at all. It's not security. It's actually insecurity. It's you putting in, hoping to get back out. And that's what many people in the faith are trying to do over and over and over again. If I go to church enough and they, they come to church for a solid six months and then they're like, you know what, I just yeah, I just can't do it. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I I got too many, uh, you know, baseball games. I got too many 5Ks to run. I don't know. I drank too much last night. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just our day to sit around and do absolutely nothing. Like, you know, like. I, I don't know if I believe everything Brandon's saying. I was, too good to be true. I mean, no, I don't know. Pastor, he always makes me kneel down. I feel like such an idiot when I kneel down on the thing. And, and then he tells me to hug my neighbor and kiss him. I kiss the person next to me not too bad because I sit next to the right person. But I just don't feel like it anymore. It's not paying off because you're living in insecurity. You're living in the gamble every day, the in and out. Is this investment working in to what I want to accomplish. And God says, no, I made the investment. All you have to do is live in the security. It's called the assurance. 1875, uh, sorry. 1875, there was this, this lady. Her name is Fanny Crosby. She was, what a great name, huh? Fanny Crosby. She was blind from about the age of three i from the age of three and she wrote thousands of songs for the church. And one person that she wrote with started playing the piano and she's standing there blind. So what do you feel when you hear this song? And she says, I hear this. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste Of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God. Born of his spirit. Washed in his blood. She wrote that first stanza in three minutes. She went on to say, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. Yeah, you know it. And what is the song? Blessed assurance. Certainty. I wonder how your life would change if you would go from gamble every day. I'm going to put some time in. I'm going to do the right things and then it'll pay off. It's a blessed assurance. I wonder if you could change your song each day from, you know, I'm just an old sinner. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do better. I ain't where I want to be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm just gambling every day. Hopefully I'll make it to heaven to I'm certain about what Jesus wants to do in my life. As a matter of fact, this is what he closes out with. He says, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. That's a pretty high price. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Are you trying to be saved through your life? Are you trying every day to be saved by your life, by your, your good works, what you're trying to do, trying to accomplish? It would be like getting up every day in your marriage and being like, you know what, I'm just trying to stay married today. <laughs> no. Some of y'all have been there, actually. Like, I don't know, that seems kind of close. Be like taking your bride home. Be like, I don't know, today I just wanted her to stay married to me, so I better do all the right things and say all the right things. It's not true love. It's not security. It's not assurance. But everything that's done in a marriage should be a reflection of the commitment that was made on one day, special time, special place. You grew to a place and said, I want to marry you you and you stood there before God and everybody else and you said I will love you with everything I am because I'm assured of this relationship that should be our relationship with God when you wake up in the morning it should be I'm assured God that you love me so I'm going to do my best I'm assured God that you're not going anywhere so I'm going to attempt great things for God Daniel says the people that know their God will be mighty and do exploits how do you know your God You're assured that he's saving you day in, day out. He's got you under control. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Paul says, it's really simple. You just have to receive this relationship by faith. It's not about taking communion, although we take communion. It's not about being baptized, although we we, we're baptized. It's not about how much you study the Bible, even though we study the Bible. How much you give to the poor or, or, or serve humankind next to you. It's not about that, even though we'll include that. It's only about you believing that I'm the person who paid the price to save you day in and day out. So the Bible says that you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. That he is saving you and he is faithful. Hebrews 6, 19 says that he who promised is faithful. His promise is perfect. His promise is perfect. Maybe you're here today and you say, I, maybe, I, maybe I got the salvation thing wrong, Brandon. I, just, I want to be sure that I'm just believing with my whole heart in what God has said. Maybe I I subscribe to a baptism and a communion and it's all good. But your life is falling short. You're getting up every day and gambling, hoping. When God wants you to be assured that he's right there, never left you, never leave you. He's actually reconciled you back to a place that God has always planned for you to be. Today, if that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick? Thank you, you're awesome. Thank you. We're gonna pray this prayer together. It's a simple salvation prayer. Is this. Jesus, I believe in you. Just all pray it together. Come on. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. Just keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. That means that you start a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the beginning. You can sleep tonight in blessed assurance that Jesus is yours. It's a beautiful thing. You're here today and you say, Brandon, maybe I've gotten off track. I, I feel that insecurity that you're talking about that feels like I'm in a foreign land and people don't speak my language. It feels like just, I don't have the right confirmation number, but the truth is you do. The right confirmation is Jesus. That every time you look at the cross, you see that Jesus paid the price. Every time that you look at the clouds and you see the light coming through, you said, that looks like Jesus coming back. That's your blessed assurance. Every time you wake up and you inhale and you're like, this is an amazing thing that I get to be alive today. That's your blessed assurance that Jesus is enough for you. I want you to live in assurance, not insecurity about who God is for you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes and say this with me. God, help me to live in blessed assurance. That's me. Help me to live in blessed assurance that you are enough even when I'm not. Say it, come on. You are enough even when I'm not. I love you, Lord. Thank you. We just give God a big praise today.